Welcome back to Shred Is Not Dead. If it makes you bang your head, we'll talk with them or about them. And today I'm joined by Reggie of Osaka Punch, which probably one of the most exciting, refreshing bands coming out of Australia. Uh, I don't really have too much to say uh, that ha- hasn't already been said. No, that's that's not quite true. I think it's it's difficult to sum up what makes you guys so enticing, but I guess we're going to spend the next half an hour or so digging into it. I want to get onto the tour in a little bit, obviously. That's why we're we're talking, promoting the upcoming tour. But let's start a little bit with your journey as a bass guitarist. And if you want to give us a bit of a a tour through your musical history, that'd be much appreciated because I think it'll set the tone nicely for uh, talking about the band. Yeah, sure, man. Um, Well, pretty much I started playing bass pretty late. Like I started playing bass like 15 and I grew up in Townsville, so I played in bands around Townsville. And then I eventually moved to Brisbane uh, with a band called Vaya, which I played. We played together for like five years or something like that. And just as bands do, we kind of, you know, kind of went our separate ways kind of thing. And along the way, I've just played in a bunch of different groups. I played in um, a band called The Given Things, which has got like, Clint and Glenn from the Butterfly Effect, who are like another Brisbane band here, and then mm. did some other stuff with a group called Dawn, which had um, Jeff Martin from the Tea Party in it. So that was pretty fun, and that was that was pretty exciting. And then kind of found myself like in Osaka Punch because the boys uh, they relocated to the UK and they were over there for like two years, and um, their bass player at the time met his partner and decided to stay in the UK. So when they came back, they needed a bass player and we kind of crossed paths a bunch of times and we were friends by then. And Vaya and, well, they used to be called the Kidney Thieves back in the day. Uh, we toured a bunch of times and then, uh, yeah, so they got in touch with me and when they landed, we kind of, I started playing bass for them and here we are today pretty much. Yeah, beautiful. And within Osaka Punch's music, uh, your bass parts really tend to drive a lot of the songs. And uh, for those who haven't listened, it's in my mind falls somewhere between, you know, a band that you might hear playing like a lounge jazz improv night and Rage Against the Machine, two very distinct, different, different yeah. worlds that you've brought together. And it really spills over uh, in particular to the, the drumming and the guitars. And I think as a, a rhythm unit, you will lock in and do really interesting things with it. Um, what sort of influences were you listening to around the time, you know, joining Osaka Punch and developing into what they are now? Um, I think that's the thing, man. Like all four of us kind of definitely listen to different styles of music, which probably does come out when we write together. Uh, mm. And I think a lot of bands, I mean, I guess some bands are all on the same page musically with their influences, but I think a lot of bands do, you know, have different influences in their band. And we do that. And when we write, we kind of have no uh, no rules as such. I guess the only rule we have is that just as long as it flows, man, like we don't try and be quirky or different for the sake of it. Which is like we just, if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, we just don't do it. But I think um, some big bands that kind of have influenced us, because we all grew up in the 90s as well, man, so – Bands like Faith No More, Rage Against the Machine. Um, we're all big fans of like early Incubus, so mm. the, the record, Science, stuff like that. Um, 
and all that kind of comes out, I think, when we write. And I think as time's gone on too, uh, earlier Sucker Punch is a little more probably mixed genre and a bit more kind of quirky. And as time's gone on, I think whether it's just with age or just how we're writing at the moment, it's, we've kind of streamlined it a bit better, but we still definitely, particularly on this new record coming out, we still like to kind of, you know, cut shit up a bit and mix it up uh, just as long as it flows, man, you know? So, yeah, we all come from different kind of backgrounds, definitely. Yeah, sure. And that's one thing I've always admired about Osaka Punch is – uh, especially in Australian prog, and I, I will get onto the Brisbane thing in a minute because I think Brisbane prog in particular is really interesting. But I, I think there is a tendency to think prog means everything has to be complex, everything has to be extra and detailed. And you know, I love Nabla Viscaris, I love Caligula's Horse, two big Australian prog brands. I want to, yeah, I want to shout out full, yeah, full kudos to them, love them to bits. But the thing it's you guys best. do differently to that scene in my mind, is that you don't reinvent the wheel when it comes to any one part. It's the compositional elements that are really progressive. Do you think that's a fair statement? Yeah, totally. I mean, we definitely kind of some get asked, like, what genre are we? And I really, I don't really know how to answer that. And we do get kind of mm. this prog title sometimes. And I think some, yeah, sometimes when you think prog, you definitely think, intricate guitar solos and just crazy time signatures and all that kind of complexity and stuff, which it, which it is. But I think what yeah, makes us fall into prog is just, like I was saying before, just how we can, I like to think we can anyway, like the flow of different genres that kind of we can mesh together. They may not necessarily be overly complicated or, you know, musically challenging, um, but I think we have the ability to mix. We can go from like a jazz part to a rage chess machine heavy style part back to a, uh, you know, dance kind of disco beat and just make it work, which I think falls in the prog category. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it uh, it sort of calls back to some bands that maybe the the lineage of these bands got a little lost, but, you know, Primus or um, yeah, Mr. Oh, Bungle. Mr. Bungle. Yeah, yeah that- totally. Yeah. Big big yep. fan of that style of prog, and I think you know maybe maybe the branch that at its root maybe split off from King Crimson. If you're going to throw it that far back, but sure. uh, you know, or Living it, Color, even yeah. bands like Living Color kind of did all that kind of stuff back in the day, and it's kind of just evolved to what it is now, I guess. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And now you did mention new records, so you guys are working on something new. Is that right? Yes, yes, we're releasing a new album in September. That's the plan. September. Yeah, it's so- taken. Um, it was a. It's a. It's a long time coming. Um, obviously, COVID slowed. You know, every band, everybody down, really, full stop. But um, and we had like a a member change in the band, so we kind of had a few little setbacks with things. But um, we definitely this year, like sorry, mid last year to this year, have just kind of gone full steam ahead, and it's finally like in its final stages and yeah, it should be coming out in September. Yeah. Brilliant. And uh, another thing about a soccer punch that's always blown me away is that you've always been sort of ubiquitous in the Australian prog scene and anyone who I guess considers themselves in the scene knows who you guys are and respects what you've done. That being said, and I don't mean this as a criticism, you have two full lengths since 2016 and a handful of mm-hmm. singles 
Now, I think that speaks volumes to the quality of your music that you've been able to have such a strong legacy with comparatively less quantity than the average. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, look, not not a shot at you guys. I really love what you have written. Um, and obviously, all of us are keen for more. So, what is, uh, what's the secret to that? Is it just that everything you've written is good? Or has there been times where it's been challenging to market yourselves? Um, I really think just the band, because the band's been around for a long time. The band was around for a long time before I joined the band. Mm. But, um, and I really think part of it is, um, I like to think, you know, the stuff we've written and just our live performance is kind of where our strengths lie. And I feel like I don't think we're ever going to be the band that gets a top song on Triple J or a radio station. And, and we're, we're aware. If it ever happened, excellent. But we, we just love what we do and we want people to come and see us and have a good time. And if it grows organically from there, that's awesome. But I just think there has been... Um, some like time in our career where we've probably taken the foot off the gas a little for too long. And that's why we're probably now finally, obviously we're releasing this new album and we actually have enough stuff already to kind of start recording the next album. So there was just this, you know, the COVID thing threw us back. A couple of guys, the bands had kids. So these aren't excuses, but these are the things that just, we kind of just kind of had a bit of a step back from it all for a while and just needed to work out where to go because like none of us had ever had you know kids in the band before we had some band member changes and we're just just trying to work out how we're going to do this because man being like as you would probably know playing in a band is super expensive too man like it's real you know touring in australia is real hard and it's really expensive and it's Mm. hard to even break even let alone make money so for me like i don't have kids or nothing so i'm happy to spend the money and go tour but I can understand with people with kids, they're like, are you prepared to lose, potentially lose that money to go play some shows, you know, out of town? So I think we just had a moment there where we were just working out our future and but we definitely decided, like, we had this album halfway done, like, we've got to do this record, get it out there, see if people still are interested and want more Osaka in their lives and then just keep going from there, man. Like, that's the plan. Yeah, no, I think that makes sense. And you're very right that uh, especially now everything's becoming more expensive and obviously it's really easy for us as music listeners to see other bands doing their thing and think, oh, you know, like I could be that dedicated to it. If I, you know, I listen to bands I love and I think, oh, if I was writing that kind of music that well, sure, it'd come naturally to me, but what I guess a lot of us don't realise is the sacrifices in terms of most musicians will have jobs that aren't music and probably that's where the majority of their income is coming from. Oh, Um, dude, a hundred percent. All all mm. four of us have like full-time jobs, man. And Mm. yeah, like I'm a, I'm a psych nurse. Like I don't even work in the music industry besides the band. And that's, and I'm so lucky because when COVID came along, fortunately my work didn't stop as a nurse. I could keep working and mm. uh, yeah, if you're a full-time user in Australia and when COVID came along, you were done, man. Like you were done for a good two years. So, yeah, it, it is, it's tough. And then if you put fa- involve families and all that kind of stuff and just traveling is expensive for it. And for some reason, ever since COVID, I think 
it just seems like flights are more expensive, fuel's more expensive if you want to drive. It's just, it kind of just all adds up. But it's yeah. all worth, like, we love it and we would we never want to stop doing it. But there's also just the the truth behind it all as well, you know? Yeah, of course. And as much as, you know, if you all could tomorrow make it your full time, I'm sure you all would. Do you, yeah, do you think probably. that's... Do you think that's feasible in the current state or do you think things have to change fundamentally for that to become available to bands like yourselves? Um, I mean, I, I don't really know. I mean, I think it would be really, really hard to make a full-time living from it these days. Mm. Uh, and I think a big part of that is, um, and I could be wrong, but I think like, Part of your revenue's gone from album sales, really. Since Spotify and streaming came along, you don't really make any revenue from your albums anymore. Like your diehard fans will, you know, buy vinyl or CDs and stuff like that, um, but definitely not like it used to be kind of thing. So really mm. you're getting most of your money from merch or touring or if you've got some online presence and you can market yourself that way. Um, but... I think it's possible to um, get to a stage where you do really successful tours, uh, like a band like us. I think we could potentially get to a stage where we do a tour and we make a good amount, but not enough to not work. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I think, yeah. So there's bands that I love that I think are successful in Australia, for example, like Cog, uh, The Butterfly Effect, bands like that of that size. And they still have side jobs, you know what I mean? So yeah, I think that's a really good uh, goalpost. Like it's realistic when you know a band like that size is still working. Like okay, well that's kind of you got to get beyond that to make it full time. Yeah, understood. Uh, on a bit of a lighter note, now, what sure. the hell is crimpology? <laughs> crimpology. Well, this all came about, man, because we did um, before COVID. We did a bunch of support tours so mm. we played with uh mammal um did some living color stuff uh cog butterfly effects and they were just excellent opportunities and besides that they were just excellent fun so we took all those tours on so we kind of went for like a year and a bit without doing any headline touring because we just got these luck we got lucky enough to get these offers so we just kept taking them because they were just so much fun and then COVID hit so there was no touring and then we went, okay, well, we're going to drop the album this year and we're going to tour it. And we all kind of got together and we're like, oh, we haven't done a headline tour for a while because we've just been doing these support shows. And mm. just recently we did the Sunk Lodo, some Sunk Lodo shows as well. So we kind of just decided let's do, let's do a little run early in the year and then we'll do the album tour later in the year. So we needed, well, we kind of discussed this and we, kind of came up that we needed a reason to tour. We didn't, we weren't going to drop a single, so we needed something to tour. And we used to do this thing, which we still do, we still do it, but um, called The Crimp, which is very much, I don't know if you've ever watched The Mighty Boosh. Vaguely familiar, yeah. Yeah, so there's a TV show, Mighty Boosh, uh, and they do these like acapella spoken word things and they kind of call it's like a crimp kind of thing. And our singer Jack, He's a huge fan and he wrote one, which I think is friggin' excellent. So we kind of thought, well, we never really knew what to do with it. We used to do it live, but it's not something you would record and release on a CD or anything like that. The best way to release it would be 
via a skit, like a video. So we did said video and that's kind of what the tour is based around kind of thing. But really it's just to get back out touring again as like headlining and just hitting these places and also just kind of trying to set the scene for our album tour, which is like September, October. Yeah, fantastic. No, a bit of a hey, we're still here tour. <laughs> totally. Pretty much, man. And, you know, we made like a little stupid video, like all of our videos are pretty stupid. So we made like a stupid crimp video for it. And, yeah, we're just keen to like get back on the road and just, you know, we can play longer sets now because when you're a support band, it's excellent, but you're limited with your time slots and all that. So we get to kind of, you know, do our hour slot and, you know, change it up a bit, which is really good. Yeah. No, that's another thing. I think a band like yourselves, the first time I caught Osaka Punch would have been supporting uh, the fall of Troy. And this would have been back in 2016, I want to say. Yeah, that would have been with Closure in Moscow. That was in Closure in Moscow and Meniscus. Meniscus. Um, Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And it was fantastic, but I could see you guys physically spilling off the stage because being what the first band on again really testing my memory now 15 bands worth of instruments on the stage already we couldn't move yeah yeah. and when when fall of troy plays just got this symphony going and the mosh breaks out you're going to get some head injuries and you're going to start forgetting things from earlier in the night that's just how it goes with someone like that (laughs) yeah for sure for sure but my, to bring it back to the point that I'm trying to make is it should be refreshing to see you all actually have the room on the stage because it's often a, an underappreciated art of opening is that generally you've got another drum kit behind you with someone not sitting in it and oh, other I bands see, yeah. banners up the back of the stage and, you know, you can it's focus right on the opener, but it's never visually what the opening band would want really if we're being honest. Yeah, for sure. Because, you know, it's not your show. You know what I mean? Like you're there, yeah. obviously, to entertain, but you're there to accompany the, the headlining band. And, yeah, that comes with, you know, sure, the, the drum kit will be on stage. So you set your drum kit up in front and then you just got split to both sides and just, you know, you got your little space and you just make it happen. So that's kind of going to be nice to finally just be like, oh, sweet, we can put our drums on the drum riser again, stuff like that. So that'll be good. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm really, really looking forward to that and to the new album, of course. Yeah, so, yeah, we're super keen to get it out. Yeah, bet. Um, something we brought up earlier in our discussion, I'm going to circle back to now. Brisbane Prog, in particular. I mean, I mentioned Caligula's Horse. You mentioned Butterfly Effect. Uh, fantastic bands. Brisbane per capita. It punches well above its weight when it comes to prog music uh, globally. I would argue. Other than whatever's in the brown snake, that horrible, murky body of water, what is in the water in Brisbane that makes it such a good city for prog? Yeah, I don't really know. I just think that's just kind of what thrives here for whatever reason. And it could be, I mean, I think, you know, doing a fair bit of touring in Australia, um, Brisbane's actually got a really good live music scene and like like for venue wise like the valley like there's Mm. a bunch of venues there. there's just a lot of places bands can play and there is a lot of they cater to a lot of heavier bands and maybe that's just it gives people more opportunity to get out there and do that and because it's always been a heavier kind of vibe 
maybe that's just where the prog kind of just came up first, you know what I mean? But, um, yeah, there's definitely some killer killer bands getting around, which is awesome. Like, it's awesome to play with and just go watch bands play here. It's it's really good. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. I, I'm thinking about that one stretch of Ann Street where you've got the Woolly Mammoth and you've got about, you know, 500 metres one way, you've got two or three venues and a bunch more the other. And yeah. you know, Brightside's fantastic. Like, the Zoo, Bright. yep. The zoo, there's there's a there's a bunch of men. Crowbar used to be there, which was great for a long time, and they're in Sydney now. But there was mm. like, yeah, there's always like places to play, like the outpost where we're playing in May, which is a part of Fortitude Valley. Like Fortitude Valley Musical is amazing venue. Like, so yeah, we're very fortunate here in Brisbane. We're like spoiled for venues. Yeah. And I have my own theory on it. I'm curious to hear your thoughts, but I think it comes down to the temperament of Brisbane is uh, a little bit less self-serious than Melbourne or Sydney. Definitely less self-serious than Melbourne. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, for sure, for sure. Born and born and raised Melbourne, so I think I, I have reigned to take you, a you swing there. That. You're allowed um, to say that. Yeah, I, I love my time living in Brisbane. I'm completely honest about that. But it's yeah. not as self-serious, but in some ways. The lingering sort of little little brother syndrome that Brisbane has to its East Coast rival cities means that it's also very hard working. And I think that yep. those two things together, you put them together and you get this genre that is both not self-serious but also very musically serious. You've got this, like, it's yeah. funny but it's not. It's I, I, Personally, that's why where I think it comes from. But if you've got another theory, I'd, I'd love to hear it. No, no, man, I could, I can agree with that. Like Brisbane, because like I grew up the most, like I grew up in Townsville. So mm. Brisbane is just like a massive country town in a way. Like obviously it has its city element, but it is very different from Sydney and Melbourne. And I think yeah, sure. you're right. Like it just it is a little less serious here, but I think people still want to be taken seriously at the same time. So I think as a byproduct, you get this. Like I think us, for example, like we love what we do and we're extremely serious about what we do but we also don't take ourselves too seriously because yeah. we want to have fun as well and because we're all from up north as well so maybe that's just a byproduct of how brisbane and far north queensland kind of is i guess yeah and i should add for our listeners because i i do see the listener statistics just as an aside and i do see that i get a lot of love from around the world and that's really cool um for those of you who aren't awesome. really familiar Brit- Queensland as a whole is about the size of Texas and Brisbane is right on the border of New South Wales. So it's way closer to Sydney than it is to any of the major North Queensland cities. And therefore, you know, Townsville, as you're saying, is, well, actually, do you want to speak to growing up in in Townsville? And if that you think there's any tie into your musical taste there? I mean, it's pretty, pretty remote as far as major cities go, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, Townsville's like a 16-hour drive from Brisbane, so it's like yeah. way up the top. Um, for me, growing up with music, Townsville's scene was, I was just so grateful when bands came to Townsville when they were touring, and that's how I kind of got into bands like, the same again, like the Butterfly Effect and stuff like that, because when they were in their, like, touring, Townsville was always on their touring list. So any bands that took the time, they did it. Friends or Rom used to come up a fair bit, bands like that. So yep. I think like Parkway Drive in their earlier days, uh, the Amity Affliction, they all kind of came through. 
And they're the kind of bands you kind of, if you see them live and if you love their live show, you kind of just can latch onto that style of music, I guess. But, um, yeah, there's, it is was a bit hard kind of doing the music thing up there because you are kind of isolated and if you want to go play in the big city in Brisbane, it's so far. Like, it's not close mm. at all. So it just makes for a bit more effort kind of thing. And that's why we ended up relocating because we wanted, we wanted to, you know, take a real shot at it kind of thing back then. And Brisbane is just where we landed, I guess. But, um, yeah, just kind of here we are. Yeah, absolutely. You definitely have the advantage if you're going to Townsville to play than if you're from there. Um, in that you've got a captive sure. audience that don't get a lot of live music versus, you know, if it's it's always a bit different, you know, when it's it's your mate's band and oh, yeah, versus, yeah, yeah. you know, Parkway have made the effort to drive up from Byron in the early days or I think Amity might even be from Noosa, which isn't, I guess, too far, but it's still good of them to go up there. Yeah. yeah. I can't, can't imagine it's easy uh, coming up from Noosa either. I imagine it'd be quite a similar situation. Yeah. Well, that's it. Even the Sunshine Coast scene is like, it's hard. Like, I guess most of your stuff's coming from Brisbane and it's the same with Gold Coast kind of thing. And yeah. that, like, we're we're playing in Sunshine Coast and Gold Coast on this tour, and we will probably do it on the next tour because there still are like people there that want to go to live music that don't want to drive two freaking hours to Brisbane. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's venues popping up in Gold Coast and in Sunshine Coast that are trying to cater for the live scene. So really, all you can do as a band is help those venues out and hit those places. And sure, the first few times you go there, numbers might be a bit skimp, but that's just part of you know, growing your band kind of thing. So, yeah, it, I think hmm. Townsville's, uh, sorry, Australia is a hard place to tour geographically because it's so spread out and there's just not much in between places kind of thing. So you can't really, beggars can't be choosers essentially. And you, I think it's just best to play where you can play, hit wherever you can hit. Yeah, exactly. I think you've got exactly the right attitude with that. Um, so with that in mind, uh, I really appreciate your time. Is there... Anything you'd like to add? Anything you want to wrap up with? Um, any last thoughts? Uh, no. Well, first, thank you for having me on, man. It's good to chat. And, no um, yeah, and I just guess we've just got this tour coming up. And if anyone's interested, you can get the tickets at um, melonevents.com. Go on there. And, yeah, we're just releasing the album in September. We'll be touring again. And, yeah, man, hopefully we kind of run into each other at one of the shows if, if you're around. and. Yeah, yeah for awesome. sure. You. Yeah, you were either Brisbane or Melbourne. I'm not sure which one at this point. Oh, maybe even maybe the Gold Coast. I was sort of between cities a fair bit. So, okay, at some point yeah. you'll uh, you'll catch me at one of them. That's for sure. I'm just not sure which one yet. But... Sounds good, brother. Oh, Reggie, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us. Uh, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. And yeah, good luck with the tour, and even more good luck with the album release. Can't wait to hear what uh what you guys have in store. <laughs> 